now. Get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, happy Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension, Lifetime Master Gardener, Garden Columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page at Twitter.com slash tips, lots of snark. Uh, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page where there is always a garden dialogue going on. You may see a picture there of an angry old nun. And I know when some of you see pictures of angry old nuns, you immediately start twitching and you sit up straight. That's just the reaction to seeing pictures of angry old nuns among those of us that went to Catholic grade school. But the angry old nun picture is there for a reason, because Steve Zion is here, Sacramento's organic advocate, and he has a stern lecture for us today. (laughs) He's serious. He's got a ruler in his hand. He's slamming it against the palm of his other hand. No, it's a so, it's a soil probe. It's a soil probe, and and he wants to basically say something along the lines of uh, what Sister Mary Catherine Joseph used to tell us back at St. Charles. Uh, she would say something along the lines of, "Are you deaf as well as dumb?" Something along those lines. Uh, the um, but your your your. <laughs> Speech to us today involves solving pest problems before they start by treating your plants and your soil right. Well, I mean, basically, you know, when you when you have when people have been coming into the nursery, I've been working at a lot of nurseries helping customers, and because you you need the money, no, okay, I'm trying to educate people, and they come in with with pest problems, and I, you know. Typically, you know, when you go into the nursery, you you ask them, okay, I've got this problem. What can I do to spray to fix it? What can I spray to fix it? What can I buy to solve this problem? And what I try and tell people is, well, that's going to deal with the symptom of the problem. Let's try and figure out what the cause of the problem is so that we can, you know, end the problem now and keep it from coming back. You spray a, a pesticide and you will kill whatever that pest is, but the conditions that favor that pest will still be there and they will come back. So let's try and figure out why your plants are having these pest problems. So I typically start by asking them how they are managing the soil. 95% of our pest problems are directly or indirectly due to improper management of our soils. And in most cases, I ask them. I start by asking them, how are you irrigating? Because it's this time of year we don't get a lot of rain, so we need to irrigate unless we are utilizing artificial plants. And uh, which and, I've seen more of in the landscape. Yeah, well, especially lawns. You know, <laughs> well, pla- plastic. Lawns. I've seen plastic flowers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the 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 problem is, I mean, one of the things that people are a lot of people are having problems with trees. Um, the I started watering my trees, I think, about a week, week and a half, two weeks ago uh, for the first time this season. And because the, the deep roots where the soil is deep, it was, it was moist, and now it's becoming dry. And so we're starting, if you're not irrigating the, the, the deep profile of the soil, uh, your, your roots are drying out and your plants are, are showing signs of water stress. Uh, the leaves can be turning dry and brown and crispy. Uh, and you can be having all sorts of pest problems because the plant's not healthy. And so I tell people, well, how are you watering? And in many cases, they've got one drip emitter at the base of the plant that the landscaper put in 
five years ago. Now they've got a five-year-old tree, and the only drip emitter is right by the base of the tree where there are no feeding roots. And so they're irrigating improperly. And so I suggest that they start by irrigating properly using, in many cases for trees, soaker hoses. For shrubs and lawns, a lot of times people are watering a little bit every day. So the top inch or two of that soil is wet all the time. There's no oxygen in there. And our plant roots need oxygen as much as we need oxygen to survive. And then you go down two or three inches and there's, because you're only watering a little bit every day, the water isn't getting down there and that area of the soil is bone dry. And so you're, again, you're killing most of your root zone just because of the way you're irrigating. And so we get them irrigating properly and that will eliminate most of their pest problems. Because pests are attracted to stressed plants. Yes. All right. Um, just, just like us, when we're when we're stressed, you know, uh, because Farmer Fred's harassing me and telling me yeah, what to do exactly. on the radio. Exactly. Yeah. You know, That's what I, I do. I, I set my, up straight. My, my my whole my whole body gets gets whacked out, and, and you know, I I become more susceptible to pests. Like yes. if, if people are stressed, if people aren't eating right, they are not drinking right, um, they're going to be more susceptible to to getting illnesses. Mm-hmm. It's the same with our plants. If we, we aren't taking care of the root system, the stuff that's going on below the soil line, the part of the, the plant that's above ground will start showing problems. It's going to be a hot day. 97 degrees, the expected high. Yesterday's high in Sacramento was over 100. Where I was in Folsom, it was 105. If you have containerized plants, this is the time of the year, and these are the temperatures where these containers may need not only watering every day, but perhaps twice a day. Yeah. Uh, I have come to the belief that in the afternoon, if you see leaves in a container plant wilting, it used to be the old story, well, wait till morning and see if they're still wilting. Don't wait with containerized plants. Yeah, and a lot of articles still are still saying that, wait until the morning. Yeah. I, I don't understand. No, that. because uh, the soil in containerized plants, when it's 100 degrees out, that soil temperature could be 140 degrees, and right. water's going to evaporate very quickly. So that those container plants may need multiple waterings. And the key is he's talking container plants. He's right, not talking container about plants. plants Exposed container plants. There are some strategies for minimizing moisture loss in containerized plants. You could have a layer, a few inches of mulch on top. You could group the plants together to sort of hide each other. You could put hay or straw or cardboard around the outside of the containers. Aluminum foil. Aluminum foil, for all of you who believe in UFOs, to uh, deflect the sun from hitting the sides of the pots to keep that soil temperature down a little bit. But the easiest thing to do is you water it in the morning, you water it in the late afternoon. Yeah, try and, you know, if you can get the containers in the shade, maybe not the plants, but the containers, that will help a whole lot. If the soil bowl dries out, that soil is going to pull away from the sides of the container. When you go to water that plant again, the water is just going to pour down the sides of the pot. It won't even touch the soil. And so if you see that happening, if you start watering a containerized plant and you immediately see water coming out the bottom. At a rate that you're applying it. (laughs) Yeah. You know that it's just got the straight path down to the drain holes at the bottom of the container. So you need to loosen up that soil ball that's in there, perhaps add more soil. And you you may need to take that container and put it in a larger container filled with water in order for that soil ball to absorb moisture. That's typically what I recommend because... The, the, the root ball has shrunk due to the lack of water. 
And I don't suggest that you add more soil because that's going to end up compacting it because when, when that soil moistens up, it's going to expand again. Right. And so, a lot of soil mixes have peat moss in it, and once they dry out, it's tough getting them rehydrated. Yep. So so do that. All right. Got a garden question? Give us a call. 916-576-1578. Toll-free, 866-331-8255, if toll-free is still a thing. Or email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. We have a high-priced board op today. Boy, this is costing me a lot. Mike Murray <laughs> is here running the board today. He, he's uh, he's sweating already thinking about the garden grappler at 11 o'clock. So if you want a clue for the garden grappler, find it at FarmerFred.com or at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. When we come back, uh, Michael and Folsom has a question. We're going to kill some stumps when we come back to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. <laughs> Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Let's take a look at what's happening. in the. If you've been driving and looking west, you've seen that smoke to the west, and that is a fire in Yolo County. It's now called the County Fire. Yesterday it was called the Gwinda Fire, but now because it's at County Road 63 and Highway 16 in Rumsey Canyon, they're calling it the County Fire. It has grown a lot over the last 24 hours, 16,000 acres now burned no containment yet there are mandatory evacuations on county road 63 to county road 76 west of highway 16 as well as the murphy ranch area and that again is in yolo county the gwinda grange hall is the evacuation center the other fire that a lot of people have been talking about the pawnee fire over in lake county that's 14,000 acres 73 percent contained and there are mandatory evacuations in that area for between Highway 20 and Morgan Valley Road and from Sky High Ridge Road and the county line. Further south, the Waverly Fire in San Joaquin County, 12,000 acres. That's 75% contained. That's east of Linden. So it's mostly rolling pasture land that is unirrigated, so it's dry weeds at this point. That's off North Waverly Road and North Shelton Road, east of Linden. And again, uh, 12,000 acres in that. So be careful. Be careful with the fireworks. Why Why do people have fireworks? Why is there a fireworks stand on every corner? Turn your microphone on so people can hear you. It is on. Now it's on. Well, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I moved, I moved from Wisconsin. I guess their fireworks might be legal there now, but they weren't. And then I came out to California and said, wow, you guys can buy your own fireworks? And then I lived here for a year and I said, Why? Why? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe along the coast. Well, I grew up here, yeah. and we always had fireworks in Los Angeles until one year, probably in the early 1960s, when all of a sudden the fire department came into the park where everybody would go to shoot off fireworks and basically took everybody's fireworks away. So yeah. apparently it became illegal and didn't tell anybody, but yet there are still counties like Sacramento where fireworks sales are still legal. Yep. And, it, it, you know, I understand fundraising. I understand the church group, the sports group, the scouts, and whoever raising money. It's a big fundraiser. But there has to be a better way to raise funds rather than putting at risk the chance of wildfire and personal injuries, as happens every year. Every year. With fireworks. There just has to be a better idea as far as fundraising goes. And then people use the illegal fireworks. And why? 
you know, yeah, so it goes up in the more sky. Fun. And well, yeah, and then they're more fun, and then you get to see your neighbor's house go on. Fire. Yeah, and let's talk about on the roof. let's talk about pets and fireworks. Oh, yeah. uh, come, well, I mean, it's not just Wednesday, July fourth. I think okay, they, they've started. My oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and in Folsom, they're going off because of the rodeo every night, and yep. you know the dogs are cowering, the cats are running. So secure your pets indoors. Uh, in these evenings chips. from from now through Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, get, the, get those chips. Get the chips in the dogs and and, cats. and I've I've been I think it's been interesting because I've been seeing uh, on TV commercials for this uh, bondage thing for your dog <laughs> <laughs> that will make it feel more secure. You wrap something really really tight around that that, that critter's abdomen, and it will supposedly make them more feel more secure. And, My uh, arms do the same thing. And, and uh, so you need to get those for the fireworks oh, season. Just keep your pets indoors. All right. Yeah. My, my pets are indoors. Back. They're they're in a contain little little Tupperware container. Do I want to ask? Worms. Oh, worms. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I got to feed them. Don't you have fish? No. Year when when my daughter was young and lived in the house, we had fish. Okay. Now I just have worms. You had a cat. We had cats for years, and yeah. years and years and years, and then when our last one passed on, we decided we were going to see what life was like without. Because my wife and I had had cats since we got together. Yeah. So why don't you have a cat? It's easier. Oh come on! We cats know. are easy care. Yeah, but you still got to you got to feed them, and you you know. They make they, these they automatic are, yeah. feeders, you know. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Michael and Folsom we, we, we has couldn't, stumps. We couldn't leave stuff out. All right. Okay. Michael and Folsom, thanks for uh, putting up with our diatribe. Um, yeah, I, I made it through that. Thank okay. you. <laughs> <All right>. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> I love my worms. Yeah, you, love, you lost, you know, if you, fish, if you have fish and you have worms, I'm voting for the fish. But, um, so, you mentioned crepe myrtles and, you know, the butchery, the pollarding, if you will, that occurs on crepe myrtles. And yet, they bloom fabulously if you do that. And I look at my neighbor's crepe myrtles, and they don't do this. And they look pathetic. Mine look robust and happy and leafy and blooming like crazy. So, so you called to brag. <laughs> well, I just called to say that, you know, fortunately, they're very forgiving. Yes. And uh, because I keep them trimmed out and I understand that, you know, you, you cut a branch and you get four branches. Mm -hmm. I maintain them through the year, uh, through their growing season. And um, they're thriving. They're fabulous. They look wonderful. They're the best crepe myrtles in the neighborhood. Crepe myrtles bloom on new wood. And that's important yeah. to remember. And that's why they do benefit from pruning as long as it's judicious pruning. And they also tend to sprout from the base. And I, I believe in, in setting crepe myrtles free. If they want to sprout yeah. from the base, let them be shrubs. You know, well, that's all well and good depending on the location. Well, depending on your no. taste. No, no. I, 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 when when my crepe myrtle blooms or sends branches out of the bottom, one of the things I love about my crepe myrtle is the the, the beautiful branch structure that is exposed in the, the towards the the bottom. You know, three or four feet of the plant because there's no oh. no leaves down there. And it it has really beautiful structure, yeah. multi-stemmed, beautiful colored, bark. and and the and the yeah the wood yeah. is absolutely yeah, the gorgeous, wood, exactly. And it's 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 beautiful colored and it yep. looks sinewy. It's 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 beautiful wood. Yep. So 
you know, I like a naked trunk on a crepe myrtle. And what's really cool is we got some uh, shade foundation or whatever they are. Uh, I look at them with a jaundiced eye, I confess. But they planted... You better have your eye looked at if it's got jaundice. Yeah, it's true. Um, they have uh, they planted crepe myrtles as shade trees. Go figure. I consider them accent trees. But they do. Uh, they had twin trunks. So okay. what I did is I took a branch from each trunk and I crossed them over and they merged and married. And so now I don't have to deal with split trunks. Ooh, what a great opportunity to plug the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center and Harvest Day on Saturday, August 4th, where you can come there and see arboriculture, where Chuck Engels, Sacramento County Farm Advisor, has actually bent fruit tree wood around into intricate patterns, doing exactly what you're describing, Michael. Yes, my my fig trees and my crepe myrtles do that wonderfully. So I have an Acer palmatum, a green that was uh, also part of this shade foundation attempt at shade on the southwest side of the house, and it has been so faithful and so stalwart, and it has just gotten so sun-scalded on the top, and ropey vines of, you know, like... Oh, Michael, where'd you go? He disappeared. The Folsom electricity ended, apparently. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, Too well. many people have their air conditioning. Call back, Michael. By the way, Acer Palmatum, Japanese maple. Yep. So, and and depending upon the variety, most of them are are sensitive to the sun. Well, not necessarily. It it, it they it, can take more sun than a lot of people think if you've trained them in the beginning to take it. And it really it, depends. The the finer the leaf, yes, yeah. they need more shade. And and it also has to do with you know, are you giving them the deep watering? Although you don't need to, you know, water them as deeply as like a liquid amber. Yeah. <laughs> and pruning is best done in the spring. Yeah. With with a uh, Japanese maple. And we, so or, unless or Michael I, calls I, back, I, we'll never find out what the problem was. I, I like I like late late winter rather than spring. I like it before just just before it starts to have the new growth. So early March. Depends on the year. Yeah. Depends on the climate. Yeah. All right. Which, which is changing. Yeah. So I, I guess his battery ran out. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, let's delve into the email people have been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com. I have marked a lot of these questions with a Z. Zorro's here. Yeah, cool. Zorro's here. Uh, Dan and, writes and in. Antonio Banderas. Thank you. Well, I was thinking of Guy Madison, but that's okay. Uh, Darn Voles are back, writes Dan. Uh, he says, I had Orkin out last year. They got him. Uh, all the building in the area is the reason I think they're back. Any other local pest control company you would recommend? Oh, what a perfect question for Steve. <laughs> Your typical uh, pest control companies don't deal with mammals. Um, I would suggest you call the your Cooperative Extension Farmer Advisor's office, because I don't know off the top of my head, um, because there are a couple of companies that specialize in Voles, moles, gophers, those kinds of things um, f- to, to control them. Your, your typical pest control company does not know uh, how, to, how to deal with those very well because they don't, they don't run up against them very often. Voles are a cyclical problem. They're also known as meadow mice. They're yep. small. They can outrun a cat. So your cat is no good uh, controlling vole populations. The good news is... 
because it's a cyclical population buildup and decline, it's usually not a problem for one or two years. Now, in doing some research on this, I did discover that some pest control companies do control voles with anticoagulants because they can still get anticoagulants where you can't. Yeah. Now, the problem with anticoagulants, and it's a big problem, too, is the secondary kill. This is why you don't see decon on the market anymore in yep. its old formulation, because a dog, a cat, a raptor, a, a, a coyote or whatever comes along and eats a dead rat that's eaten the active ingredient in this active coagulant. And then that bird of prey or your pet falls ill and dies yep. because they ate a rat that had the anticoagulant in it. And it's not a pleasant death either. But unfortunately, pest control companies still have access to it. And that's typically what they, what they will use. Yeah. Um, there is a new bait out, and I've, I have not heard it whether it works on voles. It, it, it might. Um, I know it's good for, for rats. And mice, it's called Rat X or Mouse X, mm -hmm. and it's primarily corn gluten meal and salt. And uh, there is no secondary kill. Uh, the way it works is the the rodents have a unique digestive system. They eat this stuff; it coats their stomach lining, and uh, as a result, uh, it basically tells their brain that they're not thirsty anymore, and they stop drinking. Another way is to make the habitat uninhabitable for them. They love weedy fields that surround a garden. Yep. If you have weedy areas surrounding your garden, that's where they're spending most of their time. If you put in a demilitarized zone, basically take those weeds down to nothing and have a 15-foot wide strip surrounding your garden area, they won't cross that strip because that bare area means they're a perfect target for flying raptors, for hawks and owls yeah. that will uh, swoop down on them so they won't cross it. So getting rid of the weeds surrounding there is a great way to control voles and let them go into somebody else's yard. We'll take a short break. Michael from Folsom's back, so we'll talk to him and find out what's wrong with his Acer palmatum when we come back to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Sacramento's organic advocate, Steve Zion is here. We're answering your gardening questions at 576-1578 in the 916 area code or 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Um, email, Matt who's a master gardener, uh, writes in to say, one thing that hardly ever gets mentioned about Harvest Day is that we have a very popular grape-tasting event. Visitors get the chance to sample 12 to 16 different varieties of table grapes that they otherwise would not have the opportunity to taste, and if they really like them, they can purchase a grapevine to plant in their yard for only 9 bucks. And these are varieties you will not traditionally find at garden centers and nurseries, such as Diamond Musket, Black Rose, Princess, Black Manuka, and many more. So, again, you're going to find uh, grape tasting going on at Harvest Day. And grape purchasing. And grape purchasing, August 4th. Also, the uh, 2019 Master Gardener calendar will be available for sale as well. Really? Yeah. Next year's calendar. Yeah. They know exactly when the dates and apparently, are going to be? Apparently, they have a magic eight ball that lets them know. Cool. That, that, so that's, uh, they are pretty smart, those Master Gardeners. Yeah, they'll be there uh, August 4th. It's a Saturday. Michael and Folsom is back, I do believe. Yes. 
Good. I am back. Okay. So you... my, solution, my solution for many rodents is a pellet rifle, if necessary, with a night scope. But I, I'm not going to uh, argue with you. No. <laughs> as, long, as long as you're not in the city. You... <laughs> yeah, in, in the city, you might get yourself in trouble. No, if it's an air rifle, you shouldn't. Unless you're a really bad shot and you're putting out windows. Yeah, or you yeah. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> okay. So the Acer palmatum. The Japanese um, maple, have, yes. Yes, I have taken it down to stump because it was suffering horribly. It's on the southwest side. It was planted by the Shade Foundation, and it was. It just doesn't like that much sun, and it's, ref, it's in a narrow side yard. It has... Suffered badly. So sun, it was so sun scalded on the tops of the limbs with this ropey water sprout vines every year, and it just, the form was suffering badly. I'm replacing it with Circus occidentalis. Whoa! So there you go, red bud. Yep. Yep. And I'm um, in a standard form because I, I want it to shade my saxifrage and some other things under it. How's your so, saxifrage doing? Uh, with the shade cloth over it, it's not too bad. Wait a minute. Do you have like a white shade cloth over it and it's in the front of your house? No, it's on the side of my house. Okay. And it, it but it is a south southwest exposure. Yeah. Um and it has not really liked the absence of the the uh maple, but uh, it's adapting. I've added extra water and I've given it a little extra shelter. So it's it's holding itself. Yeah. Fortunately, it's only in it's only in direct sun or you know shaded sun for a few hours in the morning, um, and then in the afternoon it's in full shade. Okay, that's good. All right. So, anyway, if I apply stump poison to the maple, am I going to impact plants around it or the soil? Is this going to impact the surface? I want to plant in place of the maple. So, persistency of stump killers, Steve Zion. What do you know about that? Um, I just I, I just really don't like people just automatically thinking that they need to use a poison. Um, all you've got to do is deprive that plant of sunlight. So, you just put some sort of barrier, you know, plastic. Black plastic is usually what people use. And cover the stump with black plastic, and it will not get the sunlight, and it will die. Without any Super. use of poison at all. Or, That's or, what I would prefer. Or you could do what the Amish would do and just cover it with a big pile of mulch and come back in 20 years and it'll be gone. Yeah. Yeah, or I could turn it into a decorative something. Because I haven't cut it, I technically haven't cut it down to stump level. It's still about four feet tall. I, I thought about turning it into some artsy something. A yeah, bird I mean, bath. Put a bird bath on it. Put a bird, bird bath on it, or, or you can I find... I already have a bird bath. Why can, can I have You two? can find somebody who who does that chainsaw carving. Yeah, there you and go. And you can make well, something four, really cool. A four-foot-tall totem pole? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, there's a thought. Yeah. Cool. I have I mean, a Dremel. Yeah. I, I can... I can oh, yeah. oh, if you got a Dremel, you can do a, anything. A, a Dremel and a mirror, and, and there you go. <laughs> so is... Um, I have a... Uh, Prunus Crowder Vesuvius that have decided that instead of being ornamentals, they're now fruit bearing, uh, and it's very messy all over the patio. I've sprayed them with Florel periodically, uh, which is wonderful birth control for plants. Is there a better alternative? Florel is the only a border I know. Yeah, that's on the market. Well, a chainsaw. Chainsaw. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but they're my shade trees, so. Um, 
I, I will suffer badly for years uh, if they're taken down. Yeah, yeah. I, even, I mean, I even let the water sprouts grow during the summer simply because they offer more shade. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, but what I do not know is whether the hawthorn, which is the craticus, is listed on the label of Florel or not. Now they usually they they list a whole bunch of plants that it will work on as far as killing off the flowers, yeah. but they also say, and if you don't see your plant on here, try it in a small area and see if it works. Yeah. So well, th- there's it, it that. Works, it works. Well, it works well on the prunus. I I don't have any complaints. I didn't get to it this year. Yeah. We had I had so many blossoms blown off in the yard because we had storms when it bloomed. Um, I was not expecting nearly so much of a litter of plums, and I got more than I expected. The uh, the squirrels like the plums. The robins finish off what falls to the ground. So it's less messy this year than it has been, but um, it's still pretty messy. Yep. Uh, is it worth having? Well, you know, the funny thing is the plums are really tasty when they're ripe. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they yeah, are. No, they're, 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 good. they're good plums. They're they make just, a good jelly. They, they make a good compote. They're yeah. good in oatmeal. I, I have no complaints about the plums. It's just that I can't keep up with them. So, okay. Well, um, then maybe it'll be florella in years to come. Yeah, I do want to make the comment. I mean, you said you, you, you leave the suckers. The suckers are notorious for sapping a lot of the energy in the, in the, of, from the plant. And Which so is fine you, because it's, it's in a narrow side yard, and I've had to prune it back from – this is another shade tree foundation uh, ad. They planted uh, Crowder Vesuvius in the side yard, uh, like a 10-foot side yard. Yeah, but the pro- the problem the problem that I'm leading to is that that energy should be going into your your normal branches, and so you are you are depriving your regular branches of a lot of energy, making them more susceptible to to pest problems and not being as happy and healthy. Mm, okay, um, so far they show no signs of distress, um, and if it slows down the production of larger branches. I think I'm okay with that because I've had to prune it back away from the house so many times that um, the form has suffered a bit simply by virtue of having to keep it fan-shaped. And my neighbor has a pool. They're not really happy about all the plums falling over the fence. But, um, yeah, so far so good. I'm looking forward to replacing them eventually, but uh, I, I just dread the summer. And uh, I see I have a warbler that's enjoying a plum right now. <laughs> I bet he'd enjoy another bird bath too. Well, the bird bath is directly below him, so whenever okay. he's ready. All right. Okay. Michael, Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and your show and your energy and your help. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. All right. Somebody who knows Latin. I like that. Yep. Okay. The uh, I was thinking about the leaf hoppers. You claim the leaf hoppers. Debbie Flowers says they're shore flies. It's whatever is in my mulch. Is this a downside of having ripping out a lawn and putting in mulch and then overwatering the soil? No, I mean as long as they're not damaging anything. Yeah, I mean that's another thing. People people come into the nursery and say, "Oh, they've and in some cases, rare occasion, they will bring in a pest or what they think is a pest." Yeah. And I, you know, in many cases they don't know, and at least they're bringing it in to find out 
you know, what it is before they do anything, Yeah, which is wonderful. Um, in many cases, they bring in things that are beneficial insects, okay? Other times, they bring in things that all they do is decompose organic matter, and so they, they're actually beneficial as well. And, and so I always ask them, well, are they, are they, you know, doing any harm? Do you see anything happening to your plants? And if it's not doing harm, it's part of the ecosystem, which makes it a beneficial critter. And you probably don't need to do it. Do anything. not leaf hoppers vector diseases like Pierce's disease on grapes. It de- there is there are depends on the leaf hopper. Yeah, right. Yeah, because different leaf ho- leaf hoppers like different kinds of plants. Right. And any insect can be a vector of a a disease. There is that uh, there is that potential. I want to, I shouldn't say any insect. Should say many insects. So these leafhoppers in my front yard have become a nuisance to me. Okay. In that, if I am watering the plants or moving the mulch around, pulling weeds, a swarm of them will fly up and try to crawl up my nostrils. Okay. So this is a nuisance bug. Okay, but in many cases, these nuisance bugs um, are only going to be there for a couple of weeks, and so try that again. It depends they've, on the pest. They've been there a month. Okay, I'm. I'm not saying your yeah. pet, but because um, I'm, I'm thinking, um, I've had a lot of people come in and I'm uh, with fungus gnats. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came out late this year, and you know, I try and tell people, you know, if if you can, just put up with it. In two weeks, they're going to be gone, and they really don't do any damage. They eat dead and dying organic matter. Um, but if you have to treat. Um, there are, you know, in, in many cases, I tell people, uh, for the fungus gnats, uh, there's a, a biological material. Uh, work, it's the same stuff that you use for mosquitoes called BTI. Um, Is that like BTO? No. Okay. Um, and it's... Taking it, care of business. It's, you know, a little microscopic organism, so typically sold as mosquito bits mm-hmm. and little granular materials, and you can put that on top of your soil or your mulch pile or wherever you're having problems your potted plants, your potted pot plants, um, and it will do a really good job of taking care of the fungus gnats. Bacillus uh, thuringiensis israeliensis. Yes. BTI. BTI. Kills fungus gnats. Yes. All right. Um, does, I don't think it's going to do the leaf the leaf hoppers. Um, no. What I would suggest you try. Imidacloprid? No. Oh, come on. There's nothing... If you're just dealing with a comp, you know, comp mulch, how is that mulch going to absorb it? It's not going to work. I was going to rake the mulch back. And what are they? I mean, they have to eat wherever you're you're, you're spraying. They have to eat the plant. Is there are there plants there that? Well, that's why I don't want to use imidacloprid yeah. because of all the beneficials around the blooming plants. Right, and all the right. beneficials in the soil. Um what I was I going to what it. I was going to going to suggest um, is there are uh, numerous pesticides out there on the market now made out of various essential oils. And I would suggest you start with that. I don't know whether it would work or not. Right. Um, the my thought is the any insects that you come in contact with, it would probably kill them. Um, and the essential oil from things like rosemary and clove and all of those things could also act potentially as a repellent. So a word of warning to my neighbors. 
you thought the smell of fish emulsion was bad in my front yard? Wait till you get a whiff of the essential oils. Wait till you get that cinnamon <laughs> oil and rosemary oil. Yeah. Hey, they cook with it. Yeah, I know. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll delve into the email you've been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com. Don't forget a garden grappler coming up at 11 o'clock. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Steve Zion from Living Resources Company, now in the organic garden consulting and soil testing business based well, in Citrus Heights. Well, I've always been been doing that, but that's now exclusively. Yeah, you're not lifting 50-pound bags of organic fertilizers. I used to hand mix yes, you did. over 6,000 pounds of fertilizer every year. Then what happened? I got old. Oh, well. And it was, you know, my basic push comes to shove. My wife said I had to work two years longer than she did because I'm a year and a half younger than she is. And she retired and I had to keep working. And then she, you know, I, I would be out there mixing and applying, you yeah. know, all this 6,000 pounds of fertilizer and I'd come home and I'd sit in my chair. And then if I tried to move after working all day with all, you know, lifting all of this weight. Yeah. Um, I would go. So, and she didn't like that. Well, it was it, she found that all my groaning was offensive, and she said she married maybe, a much younger man. Maybe you should retire. <laughs> and so, maybe you should move out to the garage. <laughs> well, yeah, but all we have is a carport. Oh, okay. Um, this is the point where you're supposed to say seven two six five three seven seven nine one six. Seven two six five three seven seven. If you want to get a hold of me for a consultation or a soil test, or you can find out information, especially about the soil testing, at organiclandscape.com and just follow the links to soil testing. And uh, you can give me a call and uh, or email me because the email is at the website bugs at organiclandscape.com, and we can set up a time when I can come out and do a consultation. And starting basically in July, which this today. To today, happy Canada, Canada Day. And uh, my schedule is starting to open up. I've got a couple of people that ha- that have been waiting for a couple of months for a consultation. I'm going to be contacting them this week to see if they still want me to come out because I've been just really, really busy. That's why you're here. That's, that's why I haven't been here. Okay. And I am here now. Thank because... you. And you'll be back here in two weeks. Yes, I will. Shall we do some emails here? Sure. Uh, this is uh, Texas Tom, but he lives in Florin area now. He says, I live in a mobile home community on Gerber. Uh, we own the homes and the lots here, so we have a lot of freedom as far as plants go. My lot is actually larger than most modern home lots with decent space between the homes. The front of the home, however, only has about 15 feet. The front of my home has extra large windows side to side across the complete front with a western exposure. Mucho afternoon, son. Yes. Yeah. I would like to plant a beautiful smaller tree that would give shade in front of one window and possibly seasonal color. Any ideas? Well, let's talk pros and cons between trees and shrubs. I maintain that in a smaller, narrow area like that, you'd be better off with a shrub. Well, there's some small trees. I mean, we were, we've been talking about crepe myrtle a lot today. Yeah. And I think that would fit the bill. 
Yeah, it wouldn't give you much protection from the sun over a big picture window. Oh, sure it would. Well, maybe if you planted them six feet apart. But how the heck are you going to get enough protection? Great myrtles don't get that big. They get maybe 20, 25 feet tall. Yeah. And the spread, 15 feet. 15 to 20, yeah. All right. And I guess it, it doesn't say how wide that window is. Only that he's got that 15-foot space between his home and the property line. So, okay, I'll grant you that, that several crepe myrtles planted. Yeah. I, I think with a crepe myrtle, you could probably plant it eight feet away. Yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah. And plant, Maybe a little farther. Plant yeah. a lot of them. Oh, a couple of them. All right. I would still go with evergreen shrubs. Oh, see, I was thinking, see, I like the, the idea of a deciduous because he, he's trying to screen out the sun. Yes. And the, then in well, the, the heat. Yeah, and in the wintertime, it's nice to get that heat. That's true, and that's why the Sacramento Shade Tree, or Sacramento Shade Tree, I'm okay, Sacramento Tree Foundation and the Shade Tree Program run by SMUD offers deciduous trees for just that very purpose yep. for the south and west side of your home where you have shade in the summertime and full sun in the wintertime. Yeah. But what if that big picture window, you don't want the sun coming in during the wintertime? Not right. because it's hot, just because it's bright. This is where you say buy shades. Well, yeah. <laughs> you could also, you know, just paint your, use, use uh, whitewash and paint your windows. Yeah, you could do that, too. Or I still like evergreen shrubs. Yeah. And well, my, I would, my favorite's bay leaf. Well, I was. Grecian laurel. I wanted, but he wanted some color, some interest. And how about a variegated eonymus? You know. Why? <laughs> I like eonymus. I, I don't like them um, primarily because there's, I'm more and more. Uh, Cases I'm seeing them develop scale. They do get scale. Yeah, yeah. And so I I try and find a, a, a shrub that's not going to almost automatically have pest problems. How about a shrub with interest then, like a viburnum? Because you get the flowers, yeah. you get and there are a variegated viburnums. Yep. Like the David Eye, which mm-hmm. would be interesting. Uh, that would work. A Catoni Aster. I like. Yeah, you do. Yeah, are there varieties that get up big enough? Yeah, there are varieties. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They they get, well, okay, 12, 15 feet, which should be enough to cover a picture window. If you plant it close. Well, not that close, but but eight feet away. Yeah. So I'm leaning towards shrubs. Steve's leaning towards trees. The choice is yours, Tom. Yeah. And and the the Tree Foundation, you can probably find them on the interweb, and uh, they probably have their list, and you can go through and... Sacktree.com. Yeah, and and see if any of those uh, interest you. Yeah, if you know them. And look at their list of small trees. Yeah. Yeah, and they do have some smaller maples. They have crab apples. They have... Do they complain a lot? Yeah, they do. Um, Some others that I can't recall off the top of my head because the list is always changing. Yeah. So uh, check that out if you would, please. All right, yeah, Um, or, or shades on the inside. It's always a good idea as well. Well, it's uh, the heat of the summer, and we mentioned this over on the KFBK Garden Show, and we should mention it again here that we are now in the last best month for soil solarization. If you have a lawn you're trying to get rid of, if you have a patch of weeds that have become so pernicious you just want to get rid of them. Pernicious, ooh. Pernicious, yes. Mow down whatever is there, water it thoroughly, Put down really thoroughly. Real thoroughly. 
and put down clear plastic, secure the edges with a trench or bricks and boards, and you don't have to buy fancy clear plastic. Make sure it's clear plastic. A lot of people think they need to use black plastic. No, No, it's clear plastic. And, you know, buy a big painter's roll at Home Depot. You can buy ultraviolet-treated rolls uh, for this very purpose, but they sell them in, like, 1,000-foot rolls at ag stores. You don't need that. So, basically, a painter's uh, clear plastic drop cloth and that roll will last you. You could do your area several times, and you may have to because it's thinner and it may rip in the wind. And yeah. if it does, you just replace it. The, 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 th- the, the advantage of the thinner stuff is you get more light through. The disadvantage is it doesn't hold up as well. Right. And it's but a- it's re- what's, what's really critical is that you, you seal up all of the edges. You cannot let any kind of airflow in it because then the heat will be allowed to escape. Um, it basically cooks the the soil um, with heat down to about about twelve eighteen inches or so. It, it depends on the on your soil yeah. uh, texture. Now a lot of people are concerned. Well, what about the worms? What about the, all those soil belling dwelling bacteria and fungus? What happens to them? Um, some of them will perish. Um, some of them will move down. Um, the wor- worms, in particular, will move down, and the worms. Um, I always like to tell people, you know, the worms are slimy, and why why are they slimy? And uh, that's food for the soil biology, for one thing. And the soil biology, one of the things they like to do is hop on the backs of the worms uh, while they're feeding on that slime, and the worms will transport them throughout the soil and repopulate that, that area. Leave that plastic down for four to six weeks. July, early August, great time to do it. We'll take a short break for news. When we come back, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. It's next as we continue on this July 1st with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSDE and KSDE.com. listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred prize closet. Are you ready in there, Mike Murray, to be jotting down names and numbers of possible winners? All five uh, callers get a prize. Special bonus prize for caller five because, as you know, in the Garden Grappler, you cannot repeat an earlier answer. Where's my phone? I need to be able to call in. You don't even know what the question is yet. Oh. Here it is. Name, it's Canada Day. I just want to point this out. It's July 1st. It's Canada Day. Happy Canada Day to our friendly neighbors to the north who sometimes show more sense than we do. Sometimes? Most of the time. Uh, glad to have you for neighbors. Just ignore all the noise you hear <laughs> coming from Washington. Just, just, just let it, we love you. So for Canada Day, here's the question. Name a species of maple tree. Name of a species of maple tree. All right. I, we heard one already. Mapleus speciosus? No, close enough. Uh, <laughs> name a species of maple tree. Interesting to note, there are four, there are something like 10 native maple trees to Canada. Of those 10, four are also native to California. I will mention those at the end of this. Okay. But uh, I just found it interesting that we can grow 
natively the same trees that Canada can grow. Because basically those four you're going to find in British Columbia, where it's more mild a climate than you would say in Prince Edward Island. Or the Northwest Territories. Or the Northwest Territories, yes. Or Inuit, or whatever that's called up there. Anyway, um, we have uh, prizes for all five colleagues. i got to tell you, I went hunting for a special Garden Grappler prize for this contest. I went to three different grocery stores looking for a container or a bag of poutine gravy. And it's very difficult finding poutine gravy in the United States. Poutine is... I've never even heard of it. It's the national side dish of Canada, which consists of a mixture of French fries, cottage cheese, and gravy. Beef gravy. Mm. (laughs) They like it. So anyway, I thought maybe, well, if I can find some poutine gravy, I can send that for a price. I could have made it, yeah. Then how do I ship it? All right. Anyway, name a species of maple tree. The number to call, 916-576-1578 or toll-free 866-331-8255. You could have hand-delivered it. Yeah. In a a Tupperware container, 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Name a species of maple tree. There's all sorts. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Probably that interweb thing that the kids use these days, too. Google it. Maple tree. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got my big yellow legal pad out. Ready to write down names of winners and losers. All right. Uh, while we're ruminating on that, let's delve into the email people have been sending, and uh, it's addressed to both of us. And uh, it's Tom writes in. He says, Good morning, Fred and Steve. I am planning on finally buying a dwarf avocado tree. My home, he's in Florence. My home faces true east west, so I have a great winter exposure to prevent frost damage. We'll talk more about that in a minute. I am thinking of an extra large pot. Please remind me of the ones you recommend. There is one they're testing this year that they're having success with at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center called Little Cotto, L-I-L, Little little Cotto, which is a more dwarf dwarf tree, dwarf tree, yeah. So that would probably be my first choice. However, you could get like a Zutano, a Mexicola, a Jim, a Pinkerton, um, one of those, and then just keep pruning it to a big shrub. I mean, it's going to kill itself as soon as it gets out of the range of frost protection, which leads me to my thoughts about you having uh, this great winter exposure to prevent frost damage because your home faces true east-west. How cold does it get? In that space, and and, and the, the real key that you got to realize is, is frost comes down; mm-hmm. it does not move laterally sideways. And so, if it's not under a cover, uh, it can be still be exposed to frost. However, uh, because you, that property runs east-west, that means you probably have a south-facing fence. Now, it depends on what side of the fence you're on. But that south-facing wall or fence is a good reflector of heat in the wintertime. Right. And that can help. Having a paved area around it can help, too, because heat is reflected off that and, yeah, to and, keep and, the temperature and, and, up. And if it, the pavement will hold the heat and re-radiate it all night. Right. So 
with that in mind, consider it as an experiment, Tom, uh, with a dwarf avocado tree in a half barrel. That'd be fine. Yeah. Um, with holes in the bottom. Holes in the bottom for good, drainage. Good potting soil. Yeah, real good potting soil. And it will need to be irrigated frequently, but it needs good drainage, which is the conundrum of the avocado tree. It likes moisture, but it needs good drainage. Yep. So good luck with that. I buried my first avocado tree already. In my great avocado tree experiment in Folsom, I planted two, a Zutano and a Mexicola. Say goodbye to the Zutano. Yeah. It, it just lost its leaves. I don't see any new growth. So that is just too valuable of a nice little protected area where I had it. So I put a Meyer lemon there. Yeah, it should work. Yeah. And then I took the remains of that Zutano, and I basically chopped it down to two feet tall and stuck it on the other side of the house going, okay, try it over here. If it doesn't work here, see it on Green Waste Week. Yeah. So we'll see on that one. Um, it, 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 avocados are still borderline iffy. At, yeah. at best here. Now, I know people, and people will call and say, I've got an avocado tree, and yeah. working. it's doing just fine. Well, you have the perfect microclimate for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I see banana plants. And, banana plants, yeah, you can buy those every day and, at and, the box and, stores. You know, my wife want, want, wants one desperately. And I Why? Because she thinks they're neat, and she would like she likes bananas. Has she seen one in the wintertime? Well, yeah, actually, because a friend of ours had one. Okay. What does it look like in the wintertime? time? real no, they're but, you know, we're, brown. You don't spend as much time outside in the wintertime either. The yeah, but you still see it every time you drive home. And the yeah. problem with having that banana, the true banana plant, is when it turns brown in winter and starts dying and looks ugly, it behooves you to keep that dead foliage on the plant to protect the base right. so that it will resprout the following yeah. spring. So you have to stare at that ugly mess all winter long. If you call that brown, brown, wilty, yucky-looking thing ugly, <laughs> it's, it's it's a matter of perception. Yes, it is, and good luck on <laughs> banana production, by the way. Yeah, that's that's another I, I, key. I, I, I actually have have known a couple people who have brought me bananas. Oh yes, no, they're, they're small, right? They're a different variety. They're not. They don't say Chiquita on them, right? <laughs> so, and they are small, and they yeah. taste differently. Yep. And so it's like no. Uh, and it won't happen every year either. No. It, it only happens during those winters when it manages to stay alive through the winter. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there are lots of plants that we can't grow on our property. We are in a very cold microclimate. We brought a little of Wisconsin with us. And, you know, there are lots of plants that, that almost everybody can grow in the Sacramento region, and we cannot. All right. The Garden Grappler question, again, is name a variety of maple tree. Hmm, there's a lot of good varieties out there. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. So, Steve, this is, these are the questions you will be judging. Right. Okay. Okay, let's go with calling and, number. And, 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 and if I'm correct, if we don't get winners, uh, I win the prizes. It, when it comes to caller five, who gets the bonus prize? If we do not get a caller five, you have to split it with Mike. Okay, that's the way it goes. All right. Yeah, but you divide up a tree and cut it in half. And no, 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 I'm not giving away a tree. I'm not giving away a tree. <laughs> Janet and Elk Grove, you are caller number one. Go ahead, name a variety, a species, if you will, of maple tree. Good morning. Hi. Probably my 
favorite of all, Japanese maple. Sure, Steve. Okay, yeah. that would be the Acer Palmatum, yep. as we like to say. Yes, Japanese maple. Good answer there, Janet. So I have for you from the uh, Master Gardeners a wonderful publication on how to prune Japanese maple trees. Oh, perfect. So I'll, like they I'll pop up in my yard. Okay, okay, I'll be sending that your way. Thanks for calling. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Okay, call in number two in today's Garden Grappler. It's Edie in Sacramento. Hi, Edie. Hi, Fred. So I have an answer, and I think it's the most beautiful tree in the world because I have one. The October Glory. Which is a? Maple tree. Which is a? What kind of maple? Maple tree. Now, I'll oh. go, I mean, October Glory is fine. That, that, I mean, that's yeah. a varietal name. Yeah. But the species of maple tree that the October Glory is, and you are right, I think it's a gorgeous tree, that would be a red maple. Oh, red maple. Yeah. Well, it is beautiful, and not in October, around here in November. Right, right. And it it grows quickly. It has uh, just a wonderful, brilliant red fall color. But it's beautiful before it even turns red. It's just a glorious tree. Yeah, it is, and, and does quite well in our area. So, yeah, the, the October Glory red maple, good answer, Edie. I'll be sending you uh, that information on pruning Japanese maples. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Edie. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. All right. So we'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll get to callers 3, 4, and 5. And uh, also, uh, we may answer a garden question or two. All coming up on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. And we are in the midst of the Garden Grappler. Steve Zion, Sacramento's organic advocate, is the official judge and hanging jury for today's competition. We have one open line to answer today's Garden Grappler that is in honor of Canada Day. And you're familiar with the Canadian flag with that big maple leaf on its flag. Well, name a species of maple tree. Answers so far have included the Japanese maple, and the red maple. There are plenty more maples to choose from. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. So name a species of maple tree. 576-1578 in the 916 or 866-331-8255. So so if I said Bob, that wouldn't work? Bob is not a species of maple tree. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I call mine. Okay. <laughs> you have names for your sure. trees? All right. That works. I don't have cats anymore, so i got to... Name your trees. Yeah. yeah, which brings up a very good point that apparently, having lived in the country for nearly 30 years and then moving to the city, apparently when you have people living within close proximity of you, they take a dim view of when you talk to your plants out loud or when you're talking to a bug or when they see you chasing a cabbage looper moth around your yard (laughs) saying, what did I tell you? You don't get in this yard. Get out of this yard. And all of a sudden you see people looking through the windows and over the fence going, what in the heck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm talking to the dwellers of my yard. Yep. And and more and more research is actually showing that plants can hear you and to some extent understand. 
to a certain extent. We'll yeah. we, everything we know is wrong, so yep. we'll probably discover uh, the sign language of plants. I mean, we we now know that plants can communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. They can communicate yeah. with the beneficial organisms that live in the soil. Yep. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, somebody. In fact, somebody said uh, that we know less about what's below our feet than what we know what's up in the sky. Oh. We know more about outer space than we know what's below our feet. I, uh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I, hear, I hear that all, all the time. And um, there was this, you know, they're starting to, you know, to study the beneficial critters that live in the soil. And uh, one of the reports that I just saw, and I would agree with them, that we have identified less than 1% of the critters that live in our soil. It's the final frontier. Yep. All right. Susan and Woodland, thank you for putting up with our diatribe there. I enjoy it thoroughly. I especially like the comment about yelling it in your yard. <laughs> some insect. I do that to my dog sometimes. It's, he's getting into an area he shouldn't be, and I think, oh, my God, everybody's hearing me. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I do the same with my dogs. I give them lectures about chasing squirrels and how they have to maintain constant vigilance in the yard when squirrels. You see that squirrel on the fence? What did I tell you? You go bark at that squirrel right now. Yeah. I, I tell my worms, stay in the tub. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have two things. I have a grappler answer, which I originally called for questions. But okay. okay. Give us the grappler answer first. Okay. How about a sugar maple, Acer saccharum? Saccharinum. No, it's, oh, you just gave away another answer. Good going, Mr. No. Zion. It's saccharum. Is it? She's right, yes. yes. Acer oh. saccharum uh, is the sugar maple, which is the leaf. I know the uh, other one, but I won't say that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the... the I'll save your face. <laughs> the, the, that leaf that's on the Canadian flag is the sugar maple, yep. Acer saccharum. Oh. I'm from the East Coast, so that's... There you go. Okay, good answer. Oh, I, no, Steve, you have to say good answer. Good answer. All right. So okay. I, I'll be sending you that uh, great information from the Master Gardeners on how to prune Japanese maples. Great. All right. I, I am, the more I learn about them on your program, you know, the more I'm tempted to try one. Yeah, why not? Life is short. So anyway, I see by the question written on the screen here by Mike that it's, uh, quote-unquote, damn neighbors planted the wrong tree. I didn't say damn. Oh, okay. <laughs> but back, back neighbors. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let, let's just say uninformed neighbors who didn't realize the trouble they were getting into when they planted that liquid amber or whatever. And I'm pretty sure they're not listening to this program, so I can... Okay. Not very many people do. Yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. 35,000 people <laughs> and another 15,000 listen to the podcast. Um, so, so there. Okay. They planted two oak trees, which they got, which I think were 15 gallons. And they're about five feet apart. Five feet apart? And two and a half feet from a fence that they're renters, but they've been there a long time. Apparently. <laughs> and they're only about, oh, no more than two feet from this fence that we had redone. How old are these trees? Well, they are about, uh, actually, they're 15, 12, 15 feet high. All right, so they're teenagers. Right. 
But I can see nothing but problems. It's so inappropriate for our size yards. Well, there, I'm, yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. the fence is in jeopardy. The roots are going to be upheaving whatever's within its range, and that range could be 40 feet. Yep. Exactly. So, well, okay. This is what you have to do, spend money. And, hire. you know, if you wanted to, you could hire a risk assessment arborist to come out and say, what are the problems with those trees located where they are, even though they're in your neighbor's yard? And they'll either say, no, we don't do that. We have to deal with the owner of the property, or they'll tell you what's wrong with that, and then you present that to the owner of the property. Who typically will not care less. Yeah. No, they're very, I know the owners. Okay. I mean, well, that's, what, that's who you need to deal with. Yeah. They help pay for the fence and all this. Okay, well, ask the. I would say... You want to help me pay for the next fence? That we're going to need a fence here in five years. As soon as these tree branches start uh, breaking down the fence. Yeah. Well, I've cut all the branches that are overhanging my side. Yeah, and you can legally do that as long as you're not compromising the health of the trees. Oh well, cutting the branches on my property is that. I I know that sounds weird, but it's true that you cannot harm that tree. Uh, more than you want to prune it back. In other words, it, that pruning has to be so judicious that it's not harming the overall health of the tree. Ugh. Yeah. Well, too late for that. <laughs> no, the tree is young. Okay, all right. But anyway, that that would be my uh, recommendation. A risk assessment what? A risk assessment arborist. Risk assessment arborist. Also called a consulting arborist, which yeah. is easier to say. And, and, Susan, we have to run here. We're running out of time. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks so much. Caller number four in today's Garden Grappler, over in Phil. It's Moraga. It's over in over Phil. Phil. It's Moraga. Phil, California. Hi, Moraga. How are you? <laughs> Mr. Moraga, to you, sir. Yeah, really. Um, hey, so it's not okay to walk around and talk to your plants and your bees and your, your uh, other critters and say, hey, you're living in the wrong place. You might want to move. Well, yeah. I, I do that with cabbage looper worms all the, or moths all the time. I do, too. So I just thought I was crazy. But, you know, you see people walking down the street talking to themselves every day. Yeah. Oh, but they're on their cell phone. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's they're your excuse. the roses. That's your excuse when somebody leans their head over the fence saying, who are you talking to? You just say, oh, I was on the phone. I got a Bluetooth in my ear. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, so the best one I could find was Acer Circantum. Kennetum. Yeah, actually. Pine maple. That is, yeah. British Columbia is as close as I can get right now. And actually, Acer circinatum, the vine maple. Excuse me. Yeah, you really. So uh, you. The vine maple is one of the four varieties of maple trees that's uh, native to Canada and California. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. I'm not looking this up online, by the way. You okay. know me. Good for you. So, well, okay, okay Phil. Hey, real quick, can, I, can I just do a shout-out to um, my buddy that wants to bring a... Uh, Lime tree or lemon tree down to Southern California from this area? Can you say no, don't do that? No, sir? don't do that. Now, what it is, the, the rule is this. You can take a you can move a citrus tree from a non-quarantined area into a quarantined area, but you cannot take a citrus tree from a quarantined area to any place else in the state. Yep. 
So what it depends if the area that citrus tree is coming from is in Contra a quarantine. County. What is it? So I'd have to look at Contra Costa County. Yeah, and there are areas of Contra Costa County that are part of a quarantine zone yeah. for the right. Asian citrus psyllid. Right. So yep. basically, I think the bottom line is don't move citrus around. Thank you very much for putting that out for me. I appreciate that. You gentlemen have a great day, and I know what you're sending me. Thank you, Phil. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Caller number five in today's Garden Grappler with his Red Kubota tractor. It's Ted in Granite Bay. Good morning. You said you needed another caller, so here I am with some, uh, I'm looking for purgatroid points. Purgatroid points. No, 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 no. But, but close but, enough. Yes, I understand. Yes. Okay. Purgatory. How about Acernigundo? Again, another maple tree that is endemic to both Canada and California. I know. Acernigundo, the box elder. What a crappy yes. tree that is. Yeah. It gets box elder bugs. <laughs> yes. Causes all sorts but, of aggravation. But it's a good answer. Acernigundo. Yep. All right. Hey, now, what's that special gift that you got at the grocery store? Why well, I, I didn't get he this didn't one. Get it. I didn't get that one at the grocery store. However, my question for you is, what size shoe does your wife wear? Uh, we've been married sixty years, and I don't know. Okay, I will assume that her sock size is somewhere between sizes five and eight. Most women's are. I would guess so. I am sending you a pair of women's Canadian Maple Leaf Flag Good Luck Socks. All right. And I can use them in the pool if she doesn't like them, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> pool sweep. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> that's that's what I do. I hate but the only, you know, they don't wear socks anymore, but the old ladies save them for me. Because you know, they know you use them. Yes, but I don't. I use them at the pool. Yeah, all. right. Well, I use... Of socks to clean bicycle chains. And to tie up the tomatoes. And you can tie up the tomatoes, yeah. You can yep, them. that's mainly what I use them for. I, I guess okay. I'm old-fashioned. I put them on my feet. Yeah, you're old-fashioned. Good answer. <laughs> ladies, ladies' nylons? <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> Ted, go away. Okay. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> All right. You guys have, have a good uh, 4th of July. You too. Say, stay safe. All right. All right. Bye-bye. All right, so yeah, Acer Nagundo. So actually, we found out about the vine maple, the box elder, the other two maple tree varieties that you can find in Canada as native trees and in California as native trees. The big leaf maple, Acer macrophyllum, is one. And the other is, I'll save it for after the break. We'll <laughs> we take a break. break. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. And the fourth maple tree variety that is native to Canada and California, the mountain maple, also known as Acer glabrum. So there you go. The mountain maple, the box elder, the big leaf maple, and the vine maple. Four maple varieties that we share in common with Canada. Canada, we love you. Please don't be mad at us. Okay, I don't and think they're Canadian Mounties. Uh, and you know what? Something else Canada does very smart. They don't have pennies. No. So their pockets are not weighed down with needless change. They round everything off to what's on the nickel? The beaver up there? <laughs> Something. Like oh, that. they have nickels. They have I, a five they, cent piece. I think so. I don't know. 
But they eat poutine. Go figure. All right. Anyway, uh, you want to answer some uh, email questions? No. Okay. Fred no. at farmerfred.com. <laughs> Is, okay, okay. Uh, I thought you, you got nothing else to do. I thought, well, actually, before we, we got to fill the air up, before we keep the meters moving, as my nightmares say every night, the um, actually, what we should do is do upcoming garden events before we forget to do that. You have an upcoming garden event, yes, I do. July something, July 26th. That's my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, sister. She's 10 years older than me. Well, my, my sister's five years older yeah. than me. To the day. Whoa, really? I was I was really late in in coming out. Okay. Um, July twenty sixth, from six thirty to eight thirty, I will be talking to the Sacramento Chrysanthemum Society at the Shepherd Garden and Art Center, which is at thirty three thirty McKinley Boulevard in Sacramento, and I will be talking about it's all about our soil. Everything you want to know about your soil in a very limited time, uh, we will be discussing. And it, it will be informative as well as entertaining. Do you need coffee? Are you okay? <laughs> no, no, I never need coffee. Okay. Just, I don't drink coffee. You just stuff. slowed down tremendously. Do I need, is there a key on your back I need to wind to <laughs> speed you up? No, no. Okay, all right. Donuts. Well, you Choc- got, chocolate donuts. I got donuts from Ducky's Donuts out yes. there. So go ahead. Yeah. All right. Um, good. Are you done? Actually, there is one event you forgot to mention. It's not really a garden event unless you're making a, a planter or something out of metal. S- S- yes. Uh, S- Steve Zion will be at uh, the Palatial Studios of KSDE and KFBK a week from today. July? No, two weeks. Two weeks from today. July 15th. July 15th. Yes. Yeah. And we will be talking about various gardening and other horticultural topics. That's good. That wasn't what I was leading up to. Oh. What are you going to be doing after the shows in two weeks? Oh, and, uh, on the 15th, I will not be here after 1130. I will Thank be, goodness. I will be leaving so that Fred can leave the studio early. <laughs> no, so you can. <laughs> so, so, I can so I can go. To, I'm going to go journey over to the uh, blacksmith booth couple blocks away uh, at the california state fair uh, and they've got what's called the blacksmith experience and it's very very cool we'll be you know pounding. it's very very hot well it's cool for you guys you know out, outside where we're pounding metal that fire is at three thousand degrees and i will be making various things uh out of hot metal as well as the, the other blacksmith folks that are there i will just be an assistant um, there will be formal demonstrations, uh, which I will not be leading. Um, but I will be hot, pounding hot metal and trying not to burn myself. How do you keep your beard from imploding in flames? I, I treat it with fire retardant. Okay. No, I just... Foam. I, <laughs> I drink a lot of water and I let it spill on all over okay. my beard. All right. No, I'm just careful. Now, by the way, the uh, blacksmithy area at the State Fair is behind buildings B and C, an area known as the farm. And if you've never been to the farm behind buildings B and C, pay it a visit to see the bounty of California's crops all on display there and all varieties of agriculture. And you may even get to take home a tree. I don't know if they still do that or not. It's not at the farm. That's at the forestry exhibit, which, which is, is next, which to the is farm. next door. Yeah. 
It's it's really a wonderful, wonderful exhibit. Uh, they've got some uh, in, in in the past. I ha- I don't know whether they're going to have it this year, but I would imagine so. Uh, a drought tolerant landscape, mm-hmm. uh, edible garden landscape. Uh, they have the insect pavilion. If I assume they will still have that. They have the wonderful blacksmith experience. They got the old tractors. Nah, no, maybe. Anymore? Oh, really? Mo- yeah, most of those have gone away several oh. years ago. They brought a few of them back last. Too year. much noise. I don't know what it was. Oh, I don't know. I think you know. I don't know. But it's a nifty area. And it's a wonderful yeah, area. And they built some race especially beds for back gardeners. There. Yeah, it, you know. And the master, the, and gardeners, the master will gardeners will be there. Will be there. Yeah, I will questions. be there uh, on the 15th in the afternoon at the Blacksmith uh, Experience, and I will be happy to answer garden questions. All right. Other garden events going on. Thursday, July 5th, the Sacramento County Master Gardeners will be at the Farmer's Market on Florin Road at 5901 Florin Road. I think that's in front of the old Sears store. Is Sears still open there? Mike, you live I down there. Is, that, is Sears still there or not? Do we know? Oh, okay. not you're not going to find me there," he says. "All right, well, fine, but uh, if it it's is in that shopping, it's center, in that shopping center. They have a farmers market there every Thursday morning, and the master gardeners will be there to uh, answer your gardening questions. Saturday, July seventh, the master gardeners over in Tuolumne County are holding an open garden day at their demonstration garden. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., the demonstration garden is in Sonora at 251 South Beretta Street. You know, we, we talk a lot about the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center and what the Sacramento County Master Gardeners have done with that area as far as demonstration gardens go. Right. Many, many county master gardener organizations now have their own demonstration gardens that yes, you need do. to check out. Uh, the El Dorado County Master Gardeners, the Placer County Master Gardeners, just to name a couple. You can go online and if you uh, do an internet search of Sacramento or uh, of California Master Gardener Demonstration Gardens, a map will pop up showing you where they are, which would make for a fun road trip this summer. Yeah. Is visiting all the demonstration gardens that California's Master Gardeners have done on a county by county basis. Down in Stockton, the San Joaquin County Master Gardeners are doing a wonderful job uh, landscaping and putting in demo gardens around that uh, beautiful uh, ag center. Down there on Earhart Avenue. Yeah, it's a wonderful facility. It's amazing what you can build when you have wine grape money behind you. (laughs) Anyway, July 11th, that's a Wednesday. Don Smith, he's the city of Folsom's water conservation coordinator, is doing a talk on lawn care basics and how you can strategize how to water less and have have a more bountiful lawn. Healthier lawn. Healthier lawn, yes. And there's no cost to attend, but uh, you need to make a reservation. And you can call 916-461-6174 or email waterconservation at folsom.ca.us. This talk is Wednesday, July 11th in the evening, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Folsom Community Center at 52 Natoma Street in Folsom. Next to the library, next to the zoo, next to the little railroad you can ride if you want. Saturday, July 14th, the Sustainable Organic Gardening Conference at the Shingle Springs Rancheria put on by the El Dorado County Master Gardeners. And this is an all-day affair, and uh, you need to register ahead of time. It's a fun, dynamic day. You're going to have There are seven topics that you can choose to uh, take part in uh, related to sustainable home gardening. 
including traditional native plant uses, soil health, composting, beneficial plants and insects, organic plant care through integrated pest management, seed saving, and food preservation. Why aren't you part of that? They didn't ask me. Well, they should have. Uh, doors open at 8.30. Workshop begins at 9, finishes at 3. Uh, they'll have a light lunch, handouts, and samples. And it's an all, like I say... Is that El Dorado? It is in Placerville at okay. 5281 Han Road. That's the Shingle Springs Rancheria. It's Sustainable or- Organic Gardening Conference. Saturday, July 14th, 9 to 3. For more information, you can call the uh, El Dorado County Master Gardeners at 530-621-5528. Harvest Day, August 4th, first Saturday in August. Fair Oaks Horticulture Center, great garden event. A lot of people will be there. Steve will be there. I will be there. I think I'll be there. Farmer Fred's giving a talk. Oh, wow. That doesn't happen much anymore. I I think that's the first talk of the day, (laughs) I I believe. Yeah, because I'm no fool. (laughs) I want to go early. He goes early, (laughs) walks around for two seconds, says hello to everybody, and gets out. I'm there for longer than that. I am. I know too many. I know too many people. Yeah. One year, I actually brought my daughter with me, and I said, hey, "Come on, I've got to go give a little talk. You can walk around and look at the booths and talk to the vendors and and see all the great displays that are out there." And she said afterwards, "I didn't know you could network." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, it's, uh, these are my people. <laughs> yeah. It's like she was surprised that her very introverted father could actually go out and talk to people. <laughs> he does a pretty good job. Uh, yeah, as long as I drink enough ahead of time. All right, uh, we'll take a short break. When we come back, let's uh, delve into the email you've been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com, and uh, we'll update the weather, the fire conditions around Northern California as well. Coming up as we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Steve Zion, Sacramento's organic advocate, answering your gardening questions. And this is the last segment of the day here on uh, Get Growing. A little update for you about the fire situation that's going on. Uh, that fire in Yolo County, it's now called the County Fire. Yesterday it was called the Gwinda Fire. Now it's the County Fire. It has uh, rapidly expanded Uh, This morning it was 13,000 acres. Now it's 22,000 acres. Mandatory evacuations north of Highway 128, south of County Road 23, east of Berryessa, Knoxville Road, west of County Road 89. Uh, There's an advisory out for evacuation south of County Road 81 and west of County Road 85. The Gwinda Grange Hall in Gwinda is the evacuation center. Uh, Firefighters uh, are working to construct fire control lines But red flag weather conditions, high winds, low humidities, high temperatures are playing havoc with that. And those mandatory evacuations are in place. The county fire has crossed over the Yolo Napa County line. So, again, I I can't stress enough the importance in weather like this. And it's going to stay warm all week. Today's a little bit lower than yesterday, 97, the expected high through the week. Highs will be in the mid-90s. But by the time we actually by the time we get down to Wednesday, it'll be in the mid 80s. Still hot, dry conditions. Fire danger is up there. You know, if you don't have to play with fireworks, don't play with fireworks. Don't take them out to the country. Don't take them onto trails where they're surrounding dead vegetation. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the rural areas, you're not allowed to, to use fireworks. Well, in Sacramento County, that could be anywhere because there there's such a interspersing of urban and rural. Yeah, as but far as well, I'm talking about the the, the rural, more rural counties. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I always thought it was crazy to be selling fireworks down in Harold and Galt. Yeah, I mean, just because of all the dry uh, tinder down there. But uh, tinder, ooh, big word. Yes, but around here. Uh, you've got trails. You've got bike trails along the American River and, and throughout uh, the Sacramento County that abut uh, natural areas that are dry. And yep. you see some weird things on the bike trail these days. This past week, I saw parked off to the side a lawn edger, not a weed whacker, a lawn edger <laughs> that somebody decided to, to bring over from someplace and thought they would be clearing an area of their own now along the american river parkway where this was which for your information was about mile 17 and a half on the bike trail uh they had actually cleared like about 40 square feet before the rangers came over and say uh stop doing that yeah but the guy left but he left the edger there that's bizarre yeah so here you have this sharp metal blade gas powered piece of equipment probably still had gas in it yeah but fortunately, the uh, local rangers in Sacramento County set up information booths now along the uh, bike trail. So you can stop, get some water, get some maps if you need it, or tell them about strange things you see on the bike trail. On their, and they're staffed? Yeah, they're staffed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, ne- I never see them on like on Lake Natoma when I'm out there on my kayak. They, they don't have anything like that. Actually, I have seen, I've seen some sort of authority figure in a boat out on Lake Natoma. I, I think I've seen telling it, the kids to behave. I, I I, I've seen it twice. Um, more often than that, what it looks like like official type of boat um, usually is from the aquatic center, and they're coaching the the skulls. Yeah, exactly. That is nifty to watch. These, it is. Uh, it's th- fun. These kids uh, uh, rowing as fast as they can. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's and and it's it, it's it's fun. Be, I think it's interesting because there's like a no wake zone, basically mm-hmm. speed limit on the lake for motorboats, and these guys are rowing so fast that the boat's probably going faster than the legal limit. Aren't there areas though of Lake Natoma that are so shallow you could walk through it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that you could walk across it. No, but, but are, I, I've oh, seen yeah. people standing in Lake Natoma. Oh yeah. And they're up to water to their ankles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sandbars are more often yeah. their rock. But it's the middle of bars. the lake, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, there's an island out there. Yeah, I know. There's also a bathroom that floats around. Used to. I haven't seen the bathroom there for years. No, it's there. I see it all the time. It's from oh, the it's bike back trail. this year. Yeah, it's we're, out there. We're, we're, we will maybe go visit that on to, on Wednesday. We're gonna. <laughs> okay. Celebrate the Fourth of July and the birthday of our kayaks. Oh, we got our kayaks on the Fourth of July, and we paddled from one end of Lake Natoma to the other and back, and we're not sore. Would you please dissuade my sister-in-law from buying an inflatable kayak? Yeah, there. You know, we we had one for years, and we ended up stopping kayaking because uh, we would have a really good time all day long, and then almost all the lakes we've ever been on. We would go back to where we put in, and we would be against the wind, and it would be absolutely miserable. Floating inflatable kayaks get blown by the wind, and it's really hard to fight the wind. 
I think like if you get, if you're just going to use it going like going down the American River this, in in here in town, I think they're fine. But if you're actually trying to do kayaking, get a real kayak. Thank you. Appreciate that. Preferably <laughs> a, a Hobie with pedals. Yes, I know that's what you have. That's what I have. It's oh. Well worth it. All right. One final question here uh, from Mike and Sue. Need your thoughts on a soil issue. We've been developing a piece of property over the last 15 years with uh, vegetable and fruit gardens, brought in a lot of compost, hay and horse manure. Our son kept asking us to test everything first for pesticides before using. I've been gardening since the 70s and never felt the need to. Well, we did test the soil two different times with two different companies, came back positive for glyphosate. The hay, though, was certified organic, horse manure one year plus old, Soil tested one year after last applied. We sit in the middle of 54 acres. No one else ever lived on the property in the foothills. No one in sight for drift. So is it coming from the manure? Could be coming from manure. More likely it's coming from your water. Uh, it, I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, so from and, groundwater. And, and, and what's, what's yeah. sad is the United States government a couple of years ago was starting to talk about testing water testing uh, for residue in food and they decided they were going to stop doing that they there's probably some company decided that they wanted to not have that happen the is this primarily a groundwater issue or can it be a surface issue i, I my my I, and this is i'm i'm guessing because there's really not a whole lot of information out there but it's i mean it's being found in everything I mean, it, you talk about organic food, and there, the studies that I have seen, a good share of the organic food has traces of Roundup in it. It's just, you just it it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. So, as Farmer Fred Garden Rule Number Seven says, everything we know is wrong. So, all this organic food really isn't organic. It's. It, I mean, it's grown organically. It has dramatically less pesticides mm-hmm. than if it was treated, but the pest, the you know, pesticides drift, and they can yeah. they can drift for long distances. I mean, I remember a, a, a study that was done on a new pesticide. It, it was not on the market. Uh, a university down in Texas applied the pesticide to see, what, you know, if there were any drawbacks, and they made two applications. I think within a period of a week. And this was hap- this went was was going on. I think back in the early '70s, when with you know everybody in their right arm or whatever the expression is, but everybody was testing air quality, uh, in particular in New York in in New York State, and they found and the that pesticide was applied twice in the entire country in this location in Texas. They found traces of it in the air in new york somewhere in new york state so that seems hard to believe pesticides can travel very very far i mean they had a really good monitoring system where they picked this stuff up all right but that's we're talking trace elements yes yeah or trace amounts yeah yeah but you know you people always you know i people bring in samples when i'm working at the nursery and it looks like you know a herbicide damage and I say, did you use herbicide? And they said, no. And I said, what about your neighbors? Neighbor Herbicide can drift across yeah. property lines. All right. We need to move on out of here. You've got to go do something. Yeah. i got to go do something. All right. Coming up, though, 
what I got to do is the KSTE Farm Hour. California's farmers will be on the receiving end of a big economic hit if the U.S. government doesn't provide relief from the proposed agricultural tariffs threatened by China, Canada, Mexico, and Europe. Oh, boy. California's pear harvest is going to be down this year. We've got the numbers for that. And a lot more, including we talk with uh, retiring Cooperative Extension Farm Advisor Gene Miao, the area's processing tomato expert. Have yourself a great week. We'll do it all again next Sunday morning with Get Growing, 10 a.m. to noon, right here on Talk 650 KSTE. Bye-bye.